0: Today on the Neil Workings podcast, I'm joined by Sam Drawshack. Now, Sam is the co founder and chief process scientist of Truval, and we're going to find out a lot more about Truval and the work that Sam is doing uh, in a little while. But we're going to be calling and discussing the topic of process mapping. Now if that title strikes fear into your thoughts uh, you're in the right place because we're going to demystify and actually show where commercially this has a huge amount of value whether you are a large enterprise and I know some of you most certainly are coming from that area uh, or if you're a startup an entrepreneur um, and of course if you're a marketer I know a lot of you are marketers listening to this then process mapping and the whole concept of process science, and we'll use the word science here, is going to be almost uh, this sort of chaotic point in our uh, sort of evolutionary history as human beings. This is going to be a really profound moment to start to really probably reconsider what you do as processes within your businesses and organizations. So we're going to be guided, I hope here, I'm sure we will be, uh, by the wisdom and experience of Sam. So welcome to the episode, Sam.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, of course, that's a big buildup. You know, I've kind of sort of put you on a pedestal here, Sam, and sort of said, Sam has got the answers for everything. But there is so much in this. And when we first sort of uh, made contact and I was sort of, you know, researching into the work that you're doing – I got really excited because for me, process, being a real kind of logic-based person, very kind of planful, the word process is a really, really comforting kind of mind space to be in, but it isn't for a lot of people. And I I kind of wanted to start there with the conversation so that you can kind of almost sort of guide the rest of us kind of into this space and really describe why process for you, I think, Sam, is, is kind of so important within business.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great intro point. And I would say that you're right on the first point, we'll talk about both that a lot of people are afraid of process and it's such an expansive word and concept that a lot of people have negative associations with it. And we'll talk about that. But then as far as the me loving process, it's everything for me. I mean, it's not just a profession, it's it's been such a great experience and domain of knowledge for my own personal life and my own professional life in so many ways. So yeah, like you said, a source of comfort is almost not giving it enough weight, at least from my perspective. I mean, it is, is literally everything. And I'd love to talk more about that too, but I do think just starting, why do we, why are we afraid of process? It's a really great launch point for a lot of people because there's a history there. And just to go over it very briefly I think for most people, especially in the 80s and 90s and coming up into this digital revolution that we're in, process was really associated with manufacturing. And this idea of standardization, the cubicle farms, the cog and the wheel, there's a really heavy machine imagery. And even some of you are probably, it's evoking it for you to say that, oh, I'm going to come in and work on your process. It's this idea that your creativity and your adaptability is somehow going to be stifled, that you're going to be forced into standards that may not fit your creative expression and especially for marketers especially for people who are out there doing freelance work or have more flexible jobs it's this straight jacket this word process that they feel that somebody's going to clasp onto them and they don't want to do it to themselves and they don't want to do it to their employees so if you feel that way you're not alone and there's a lot of history behind why you might feel that way, because even in a lot of the media, you know, the proverbial office space or the consultants who come in and if they work on process, it's mostly because they're firing you, they're trying to improve the bottom line, they're trying to figure out how to make you into an automaton. So that's all valid and there's reasons to feel that way historically, but just to kind of spin that a little before we get deeper into the topic, process is creativity. A lot of times, good process work is what's unleashing creativity. It takes us away from the drudgery of our day-to-day. If you're engaging process work in the right mindset, it's a very expansive field of not only study, but practitioner knowledge, consultative knowledge, business tools, and it's supposed to lift you out of the things that stifle you. It lifts you out of the things that prevents you from being creative and prevents you from expanding as a business. So with that as a bit of a teaser, I'll pause there because I know I could go on and on about this topic. But process should be an expansive thing. It should be something you are excited about. It's something that helps you in your personal and your professional life.
0: It's, it's a lovely clarity point that you make there, Sam, with this, this whole idea that, you know, it was born out of process from manufacturing, because as you say, I think a lot of people can see a shop floor with, you know, machines kind of, you know, grind in a way, and it's just the same, it's repetition, it's the same, it's a system, it's the same, it's process, it's just this kind of On a treadmill, I think, you know, probably a lot of people would think. But the interesting thing is when you kind of bring that to a human level, I mean, I'd I'd like to kind of sort of start with this point, really. At a human level, we live every single day by process, don't we? Because, you know, from the minute we get up in the morning, it's habits, it's daily habits that we perform. We might clean our teeth, we might have breakfast, we might grab a coffee, we might... And we will repeat those patterns, won't we? Surely, for most of us, that is the process that, you know, starts our day. And then if we're commuting to a place of work, well, there's a process, you know, kind of there. So we can't avoid it, even if we're still... To be convinced if we're still in that mindset it is something we're doing naturally as human beings aren't we
1: it's even more than you 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 described there it's not even that we're even doing it naturally everything is process and this is when i start my trainings i always talk about it this way which is i would actually challenge you to name something in your life that is not a process or could not be described in process terms because even some of the things you mentioned you could say oh i have a lot of processes in my day your entire existence could be described in process terms. There's nothing that is not in that header. And even like you said, well, there's some things I repeat, but processes don't even have to be repeatable. You could do a process every day differently. It's still a process. It's just a chaotic process filled with tremendous amounts of variation, which may not be the most efficient way to do it, but it doesn't mean there's no process there. Process science is really the study of change. And there's nothing static really in your life. Reality is not static. So when you think about what's in the domain of studying how things change, how they change more effectively, how they change more efficiently from one state to another, process can be, anything can be the subject within that container. And that's really when you start to internalize that, you see process everywhere. It's like the the matrix, which is starting to become sort of a dated almost example, but you can start to see the process data in everything that you do. And when you get to that point, it opens up a tremendous amount of analytical possibility that Maybe for some that's overwhelming to contemplate, but for, I think, you, where you started the episode, and for me, it it does bring this incredible level of comfort because there's structure in everything, even in what seems like pure chaos.
0: And of course, with structure, you lose fear because you have more control, or at least when would say control is probably not control with a big capital uppercase C, but maybe a lowercase C that gives you choices, I guess, because without an understanding of process, you... You kind of you're sort of the recipient of of this kind of chaos that you describe, whereas as soon as you add a process into this thing, suddenly you can plot it, you can evaluate it, you can improve it. It gives you that sense of, well, there's a sense of meaning there, isn't it? But there's also then a sense of taking the reins of it, i don't i'm going to avoid using the word control because i don't think from what you're saying here that that's going to resonate because you probably we don't actually have control here because of a whole variety of other energies and changes and challenges going on but it gives us a sense of being able to be able to influence it maybe maybe that's a better word is that how you kind of see it then playing out within business yes for sure
1: and and i would say instead of control the word i would normally use is just having knowledge It's the opposite of ignorance because a lot of times ignorance is what creates fear in our personal lives, but also in business. If you don't feel like you can know beyond a certain point, either because it's just unknowable or you don't have the knowledge or the capability, whatever it is, that's where we kind of find our boundaries and beyond those boundaries, typically in the business environment, it just becomes corners that we can't access or that limit us process is a skill that you can pierce all those veils it really when you feel confident about understanding process and seeking it out and looking at things from a process perspective it just provides you a tremendous amount of knowledge and with that knowledge you could use it to exert control you could use it to just understand to communicate to improve there's so many things you can do with just raw knowledge with raw process data
0: Mm. so I want to get into a little bit more of the kind of the practicality then of this in terms of somebody listening to this thinking, okay, I'm starting to get it. I kind of understand it's more than just how we schedule our social media posts or how we deliver product decks to customer Y. It's, it's kind of more inherent in everything that we do. So if that is true... Do I make then the correct assumption there's some very, very high level mapping that needs to go on, which is very much more the the strategic kind of top level of our business or organizational structure? And then all the way down through various layers down to kind of almost like the minute to minute activities that we do. Is there kind of like a hierarchy that's going on here then?
1: Yes, you've described it very, very aptly. And I think that's where some of the overwhelming aspects that come into play because let's say a company is nothing more than a collection of processes. You can describe that collection of process data from the levels you said. You can guide a strategic conversation at the highest level, trying to do value chain analysis and understand what the customer demand is by analyzing your processes. You can go down to the execution level on a daily basis for a particular scope to understand, like you said, examples as how am I posting? How am I actually coordinating or communicating with my offshore contractors? How am I actually collecting client requirements when I'm doing sales? Those are the kind of things you can get down to the execution and you can do very detailed process improvement, but it's all perspectives and detail levels of the same collection of process data, which is how is your company exchanging energy to create value for the marketplace? So a lot of it is if you had a microscope, it's zooming in at 10x, 100x, 1,000x. It just depends on your goal and what you're trying to achieve, certainly.
0: So where would somebody start then with this? Because it would feel like in in a logical sense, you would start with purpose in other words why are we here why as an organization at a collection of people do we come together probably on a monday morning first thing to let's call it do business is it at that level that we start or do we begin with because because that, that's quite profound for any collection of people that call themselves a business or a company or do we start at a, a kind of more granular level where it's a little process that we happen to be i don't know sending emails out to customers for example so we've got a little process there. So we're going to start there because that's a low hanging fruit that we can you know, we can understand. We can see very logically there is a process because we know that we do this before this, before this. That would be a much easier place to start, wouldn't it, for a lot of people. But is there a right or wrong place to begin this journey? There's not a particularly
1: right or wrong place. And at a high level, it's sort of a yes or no answer because there's not a particular right place. And I would always encourage everyone to start documenting process information at the level that is most intuitive to them. Because the actual true importance in the beginning of of working on process, improving your process knowledge or skills is just translating things in your mind and your observations that are intangible into some form of documentation. So it starts to become real and you can build on it. Now to that point, I do think it's easier To start at the level of execution that you are beginning to articulate, because it's more natural for everyone. And it's the level that we as humans tell stories at. So I always start, I I always kind of counsel people that if you want to make it an easier job on yourself, starting at very abstract, high level strategic concepts that have to take in the whole company activity at once is going to be more challenging than talking to somebody on the floor or even transcribing your day to day activities. I punch this button, I email this person. I do this because the, that kind of level of detail is more intuitive to everybody. It's it's the level that we spend most of our life in, which is the level I would explain to a friend or I explain to a colleague how I'm actually executing my job, whatever that happens to be. So I think if you're building the muscles, it's not right or wrong. It always depends on what you're trying to accomplish, but starting there is going to be easier because we all can do it more easily, especially now that it's becoming harder in the digital space we want to rely on our what tactile senses and what intuitive senses we have to begin building the muscles.
0: Hmm. Is, is there a difference then between I mean obviously there is in terms of a, a definition, but I'm talking about from say, from your perspective in it in a practical sense, serving a client or you know teaching somebody to do this. Is there a difference then between process mapping and planning? I'm just thinking of those two kind of concepts, planning, including obviously things like financials and resource allocation, et cetera. Process mapping feels like it it could be a subset of that, or is it something that has its own inherent value in itself?
1: So this is where I can sometimes get too extreme and my partners will hit me on the head sometimes. But I mean, to me, everything could be described in process terms. So your financial planning, your annual strategy, whatever you're doing. Because if you if you think, if you think about like the conversation we're having, let's say you're a company of 10 people. Your company is, if I just, if I just spent a week and I mapped everything that those 10 people are doing with the majority of their time, let's say the 80-20 rule, I will collectively have described in process terms all of the company's activity and everything relevant to the company's operation. And from there, one could derive a financial plan, a strategy, you could basically have insight to derive whatever you need, because it's the sum collection of all the capability and all the current activity that the entire company is doing. And obviously, if you get, down, get to enterprises at scale, it becomes more complicated. So but starting at a smaller example, you can start to conceptualize, I could get your whole process data set. There is no activity that your accountant is doing, that your CEO is doing that couldn't be encapsulated in that kind of exercise, and you can look at it and you can analyze it. So to me, there doesn't have to be a difference, but this is the interesting part of business, right? Domain identification, labeling something, this is financial planning, this is strategic planning, this is process improvement. These are all labels of convenience, just like language. It's just, they become semantic arguments to a certain extent. So hopefully that maybe gave some clarity to make it more confusing. But I think it's all going to be from my perspective, at least the same basic tool set, which is what is the processes that we're looking at? What is the actual process we care about? And is there problems? Are we trying to improve them? Is there something that we need to change? And it's always gonna be the same sequence of tools and sort of methods that we use.
0: Mm. So, so at a, a very kind of simple level then, um, again, if anybody at this point is still with us and they're thinking, Okay, I'm intrigued. I'm getting this. I think there could be, you know, as Sam describes, Pareto principle, 8020 rule. I kind of I get that. So I don't have to do everything that I do. There will be some prioritization already starting here. What kind of, I think what we're implying here is there's going to be some value to the evaluation of the outputs. So whatever we see, that this will be uncovering, turning the stone over, if you like, of opportunities for improvement. Is that the whole purpose of mapping it out like this, that we're always trying to uncover little things that we can then optimize, or little things then we can maybe leverage to get more sort of from them? Is that kind of the ultimate goal here, step by step?
1: Yes. In 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 very simple terms, yes, that is true. And I like to phrase it like this because it's especially important now, and you said a lot of the audience is marketers, especially, the world is intangible now for a lot of businesses. And the reason it's so critical to write things down and map your process out is so that you can re-engage your tactile senses, your common sense. So if I think 20, 30 years ago, most of us would be in a situation where if you were a manager and owner of a small company you would be able to walk into an office and see your employees engaging in some sort of work, either on the phone, writing things down, collaborating in meeting rooms. We were more co-located. That was a way that you used all of your tactile senses that humans all share collectively. You could look around, you could see, you could experience. And in that experience, you could intuitively engage your common sense to understand what we're talking about. Oh, I can make this better like this. This doesn't look right. There's oil spilling on the floor. This person is idle in the corner. This is the kind of things that common sense helps us guide to work our businesses. We've been disconnected from that in this new generation of business. With massive globalization, digitization, decentralization, we are left without our common sense. We are left without our tactile faculties that we rely on as humans to engage our instincts, our intuition. How do we get back to a place where... We can look at our process, we can experience our process and engage that common sense to make it better, like you're talking about iteratively. It's we have to be able to document it. We have to be able to communicate it accurately. And that's really what we're talking about here, which is that I need to know what my processes are because otherwise, if I'm talking about strategy, I'm talking about improvement, I'm talking about getting the latest SaaS product, I'm talking about better serving customers, I'm just guessing. We've all gotten in this habit of normalizing guessing and just trying to abstract what we think our process is when we actually have lost touch with what is it because we can't see it. And a lot of times we can't experience it. So you have to start with where am I today? What am I doing? And it's exactly where you started your last comment, which is if you can just see what you're doing, there's gonna be an incredible amount of insight that just comes to you as a business owner, as a manager, because you know how you would use your common sense to fix a system, especially in your industry, in your expertise. But if you can't see it, you can't make that connection. So that's what I'm really talking about, which is baselining what you're doing today is always the first step. And it's always in service of how do I make this better? How do I solve this particular problem I'm facing? How do I scale? How do I automate? How do I grow? The three main focus points that drive most of this work.
0: Mm. I'd like to kind of do a little sort of dipping the toe in the water so to speak of a um an upcoming project that i have with a client just as a kind of practical example for people to kind of hopefully um sort of get a grasp of of where we're going with this um So just to kind of tease out the the scenario here then, so the context is is I've got a client who um, requires my support to create a a training academy within their business. So it's for internal purposes, for onboarding new staff and inductions, as well as kind of ongoing sort of certification and training, let's say. Um, Once that's in place, the idea is that that will then be rolled out externally to their value chain. So some of their Um, they're kind of resellers and business partners, uh, and then maybe even out to customers ultimately at a third phase. The way you've just described it, Sam, is that I'm feeling the perfect scenario here, rather than how we're going to market it, who the target audience is, and what those training modules are going to be, is we begin with a process map. That feels now, just from how you've described it, as the starting point for a new initiative or project. Is, is that somewhere, I mean, obviously you're a huge advocate of doing this kind of mapping, but yeah. for, for you, would this be a logical, with that very, very simple brief, would that be a logical starting point rather than worrying about the details of what kind of training, who the audience is going to be, who's going to be the trainer, et cetera, begin with a process map?
1: Absolutely. And begin with a process map of how they're doing it now. That's the critical part. So even if I was hearing you correctly, a lot of times it's let's start with the process map of how the solution may function that they're engaging you to create. But before you go there, it's even more critical to build a process map of how they're getting the same value proposition or close to it today. Because that's what your solution, whatever it is going to be, it has to iterate from a live process. Like we talked about earlier, one of the biggest concepts that I think is the hardest for people to get at first is there's no such thing as a vacuum where there is no process. So if somebody's engaging you to build out an entire training program in all of its facets and then look to scale that program, it has to be sitting on top of a current state training process. And if there's nothing there, people must be getting the knowledge somewhere or there's a massive problem or gap. Not understanding that before you start building the next process map, of your design of how you're going to play onto what's happening today is where most people, they miss out a huge opportunity to tether the project before it even starts. Um, and, and I think, I'll I, does that make sense? Cause I don't know exactly where you were thinking about mapping, but that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing, which is never skip that step because otherwise there's a lot of risk. You just add a lot of risk.
0: I think for me, that is a fundamental gap that I have in my knowledge. And I love that phrase you just used, which is tethering the project or tethering that map, because without it, it's just kind of my view of what's going to be a great solution. There is no kind of reverse engineering back to, okay, but look how we've improved. What was there already? If I just jump straight in with, hey, this is going to be a really great solution and it probably will be. But without any reference point, I haven't tethered it to anything. And I love that. And I would have completely, I'll be open and honest in public here, I would have completely and utterly missed that step in the process because I'm looking forward and thinking about the upcoming solution rather than thinking there was a problem here that created this need for this new solution. That's genius. And I love that word tethering because it gives it kind of, it's an anchor, isn't it? It gives it some frame of reference where we can say, look, you were probably 10% accurate with what you've produced so far, but we can take that up to 70, maybe even 80% you know, efficiency in terms of the resources available, the effectiveness of the training, et cetera, but you're only operating at 10%. Otherwise, it could be argued, yeah, but there could have been something else even better out there than you've, what you've come up with, Neil. At least then I've got a reference point. That is, well, that, this is where you're earning your value, isn't it, Sam? I mean, it's just those little points of clarity with that most of us just wouldn't see, even though we're doing this all the time. It's so simple, yet it's so complicated.
1: It is, and a lot of people are struggling with this. And and you, you articulated it beautifully, and it's exactly right, which is that You can have a solution, but if you start the process with solutioning, you have no constraints. And this is where a lot of people are struggling with execution, because if you understand what the current process is and the gaps in it and you confirm your common ground, you will also start to develop that intuition I was talking about just a few minutes ago, which is how many people are actually here? What is the need? What is the problem? What is the current process that's underserving whatever the demand is, but also what are the constraints? It's that common sense piece. How much can I push these people? Will this new solution be adoptable? Do they have the resources or sponsorship to actually engage with what I'm producing? As soon as you start focusing on the reality that's actually happening in the present, you start to be able to engage your senses. Because otherwise, if you start at the solution stage with a lot of people, they wanna jump there. It's the exciting part. They wanna start drawing a process to design. You start to become untethered from reality and your chance of being able to execute something that's not tethered to reality is just significantly lower and a lot of people struggle with implementation
0: and and i suppose as well as if we're we're kind of constantly focusing on value so either you're a Consultant or an agency trying to provide support to a client, or you're um, in an enterprise and you have a whole series of stakeholders around the organization who you're trying to impress and influence, etc. Um, irrespective of kind of where you're at, it the, doing it this way gives you a lot of evidence, doesn't it? Everything, there's a crumb trail for everything. You know, there, there's nothing that is left untouched. So, It's almost when you come to communicate this as an owner of a project or of a a process map, it's almost if you've got this documentation, which is kind of what you, you mentioned earlier. But now I can see the part that that documentation plays now in this this whole makeup, because what it does is it gives you that tangible evidence that cannot be argued against because it's been signed off maybe at each stage in the project. And it's there, it's kind of signed in stone. Everybody's got a copy of this. It kind of reduces ambiguity, doesn't it? Particularly in human communications, which can be, you know, just so misinterpreted, particularly in a long project. Yeah,
1: it's the common ground. And 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 like we mentioned earlier, the funny the even the more insightful thing about most businesses today, especially trying to consume digital or marketing services, let's say as a use case, they don't actually know their internal process. They're reaching out to you with a problem that's completely presumed. So you're playing telephone from the start. And this is where I'm saying people are untethered from their own reality that they should presumably own. So what you do is when you start this exercise, you're actually turning the mirror back on their own business to make sure that we're on the same page about what the business is. Because if you have ambiguity in the subject, science, scientifically speaking, you would never start an experiment without with having ambiguity of the subject because otherwise the results are untraceable you're lost before you start so this is part of where that scientific method that scientific mentality also comes in which is if i don't understand my variables the experiment can't be run and the data is corrupt before you even move forward so it's it's to me it's critical and i don't i'm at a state place in my career where i can't understand how a project especially at any sort of scale or prominence can even proceed if they don't go through some of these initial steps Um, because it's yeah it's it's foundational, certainly. Mm.
0: And I can now really understand why we're using the word science here in this conversation, because it, it is very much that, isn't it? It is. It's a hypothesis that is based on a context. It's something that needs to be proven or disproven. And then there's the evidence base. As you make changes, as you try and make improvements, you have this tangible kind of reference point, And then you can see the final outcome when you decide, hey, guys, this is now complete you can then see the before and after and i think you know again talking to my uh, marketers in the audience here guys this is what you need to be thinking about so when i've been talking consistently about split testing a b testing gathering evidence data-driven marketing this is what sam is describing here is that it's all evidence-based it's so so important so whilst it is flow of activity and communication it is all about the data behind this, isn't it? It really is about data capture. And I guess kind of sensing change, because when you talk about energy, and you, you mentioned it earlier, Sam, this whole idea of, you know, nothing is fixed, nothing is the same. Uh, do, do you see that kind of playing out within processes? Because I guess there is ambiguity at some points in certain types of processes. They're not really fixed, even though they might be well embedded in an organization. They're still going to be, as soon as you add in the human to, to the process, suddenly, you get ambiguity don't you just by its nature
1: yeah and that's the fascinating part of this which is why we have to break out of our idea that process is, is, is equates to rigidity because in the spaces that i'm in process is the most dynamic thing and you have to allow room for that dynamism, that evolutionary aspect of it that you're describing or you can't build a proper model and a lot of times we as humans combat and resist this idea that the system can never be fixed because we can never be in a sense of control and that makes people anxious. But the reality is, as you describe, every process system, if it's designed correctly to really harness the human spirit, it has to be left with a lot of room for people to grow and to have their own autonomy and to evolve as the market evolves around them. So if you can't have a process that can live and breathe like a true living ecosystem, then you're just designing another machine kind of construct that's bound to fail, to crumble and to just stifle people. So it's, it's this, this, this mindset shift that we're experiencing, which is proper process understanding is knowing that these systems are complex and they're constantly changing. So how do we build structure around that so we can actually make them efficient and give people the tools they need to thrive in that kind of environment?
0: Mm. And and I guess when you're sort of talking like that, I mean, obviously the, the the next two letters that tend to kind of arise as like a phoenix from the the kind of the fire and stuff is A and I because AI obviously is is coming into play massively in here. How how is that kind of impacting on your work? Because you know it, it's obviously mm-hmm. going to have a profound impact in terms of the scale and the speed, I guess, of doing a lot of these processes.
1: Yeah. So, and this is where I, I'm going to give a very sort of grounded and cynical perspective. It's just the latest in a slate of tools that people do not have the process maturity to deploy in their businesses. So we're many years out from really seeing the true impact of those tools. And I'll 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 get I'll expand my answer just slightly to give context. This was big data. This was robotics. This was software, even before that. And there was a lot of things where people said, this is going to change everything. But when you actually look under the hood of the biggest, biggest businesses in the world, the most advanced businesses of the world, it's still gum, Excel, email, Slack, people frantically calling each other on the weekends, trying to hold their processes together. They're not in a position to leverage automation at the complexity that we're talking about, not yet. Even the best and the farthest in the race, they're struggling and it's tough. Because automation, I'll give a quick science definition on, on it, or at least that we use. Automation is not replacing humans. It's just creating structure so you can move decisions decision making down to a lower cost. That could be an executive writing out the logic in which he makes decisions so an intern could do it. That's automation. Now, if you want to leverage automation to its fullest extent, you would hope to be able to move it down to a software system, a robot, and eventually artificial intelligence, because these are the lowest cost and they don't make errors if they're configured correctly. But automation is automation. It's the work is understanding your process and all the decision points in your process and being able to very carefully structure that data so that you can pass it on to these other mediums. So AI is just the latest in a great slate of mediums and incredible innovations we've had over the last two decades. And I would say, all of those innovations most of them for most businesses are still sitting on the shelf and it'll be many years until we build the maturity to be able to integrate them appropriately
0: that's a very interesting perspective and i i guess now what i'm seeing in my kind of mind's eye is actually the place for what we're here to talk about in this particular session which is obviously the mapping of processes and your systems and just your interaction probably as individuals within the business before jumping in i mean all the media everybody's shouting about oh you've got to be using this particular ai and look at this great user interface that's going to open up chat gpt to your business and it feels like too many people are trying to probably just naively because they're not aware that there is this step you need to go through first they're jumping ahead maybe a little bit too fast? Is that what you're seeing in your travels and your conversations?
1: Yes, and it's what I've been seeing, like I said, for all the greatest solutions that have come out and have like, they've gotten all the hype and then they've slowly quieted down because no one's been able to implement them appropriately. AI, if you're going to replace a person with an artificial intelligence, you have to very well document what that person who's targeted to be replaced or even some of their functions, what they're doing, how they're doing it. And even your lower skilled employees, They make a lot of dynamic decisions throughout the day based on what they're hearing, who they're talking to, what they're experiencing. If you can't document and understand that, if you can't communicate to me the logic that they're deploying to make their job successful, how could you even have any hope to replace it with a more advanced system that doesn't have the human capability? So it's one of those things that if you can't pass, like as an entrepreneur, I'll give another use case. If you're thinking about hiring your first employee and you can barely write down what you're doing to train them. How would you write down what you're doing enough to get an artificial intelligence who can't interact with you to help you do it? It's not scalable. It's very difficult. It's more difficult than people want to think. You can't buy the magic bullet without knowing what your process is, what it requires, how it's serving your clients, how it functions today at a detail level that's sufficient to make the change. So in a way, anything you'd like to do must start here. And a lot of people, they still, they'll hear that from me in various contexts and they'll deny it and they'll resist it. But they're going to do it the hard way and they're going to learn the hard way that it's going to be very hard to slip that solution in there and get any value out of it if you don't do this step first
0: because listening to that word scalable and the way you've put that into that narrative there feels like the only way it can be scalable is if you if you kind of know what you're doing and when you're doing it and how you're doing it because without that mapping you're just adding to the, the chaos, aren't you, really? Because it's just, yeah, and you can scale the chaos, but wouldn't it be nicer to scale something that is more controlled, more or all those other words that we've been, been using here. Right. Yeah, I'm getting it. It kind of, yeah, it just... Feels the right thing to do and I know I'm an advocate but I can just see this and hear it it just is the answer everybody you must listen to this so I've got to come on to Truval. what what is Truval doing about this then because I know obviously you're kind of doing some really quite groundbreaking sort of discoveries and thinking around this whole area kind of can you give a sense of some of the work obviously some of it's going to be commercially quite sensitive at this stage but some of the stuff that you are doing that you can talk about
1: sure So Truval, our first product is just on the cusp of coming out and you can go on the site and you can actually buy the experience and try it for free right now. Like, you know, your average SaaS product, the very first experience is just helping facilitate a new experience for mapping process. Like we've been talking about, but I want to be very honest about, you can take the language that we have in the, excuse me, the application, and you can start doing it on pen and paper today. So even though I'd love for you to engage with Trubal and our first tool to help you with process mapping, I don't want you to feel like it's prerequisite because honestly you can start writing down your process in Miro, Miro Mural, Visio, Lucidcharts, whatever you have access to. The tricky part of process mapping is the detail level, the conventions, how you structure the data, how you sequence it, what level to focus on. Most of the tools that are available today are blank page. They're Canvas apps. We're all familiar with prototyping and all these different Canvas apps we have access to today. But the problem is, if I tell you, go write down a process, Neil, and then maybe 10 random listeners from your audience, and I say, write down the process in Miro for for creating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you're going to get 10 processes that look totally different. Focus on different aspects, focus on different tools, different colors, different shapes. This is the challenge that at Truval we're trying to normalize. So all Truval is doing in this first product is giving you a process mapping application. That's not a blank canvas. It gives you the shapes. It gives you the data you should be entering. It's sort of giving you the structure and the training wheels. So you can build the muscle at looking at process at a certain detail level, because it's the basis for everything. And then Truval's roadmap is to build basically a digital process consultant a digital process scientist, you could say. So once you have the process data mapped, then it's, well, here's some places where there might be waste. Here's how you could compare it to other people's processes. Here's how you could maybe engage in designing a solution based on this current state map that you're putting in. So we're hoping that if everyone likes our first process mapping product, we can expand in, in, in an infinite variety of process science-based directions. But that's that's where we're at right now, which is we'd love for you to get in and help it help you map and document your processes like we've been talking about. And that's really re- what the first tool is with Drupal.
0: Wonderful. And I think for for a lot of people, myself included, just to have that, whilst we could do it ourselves, kind of to some extent, I think to have that confidence that we're being guided, I think because it is guiding, it is a journey, it is a map, it's a route map after all. So I think being guided is, is a really sensible way of You know, beginning those conversations. I mean, I can imagine, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Sam, but I mean, I could imagine somebody taking this to maybe a team meeting and saying, look, guys, you know, we need a a topic for this week's team meeting. Should we play with this piece of software and just explore it? And let's choose a particular example and just kind of get into it and just see whether it resonates and whether we've got some kind of common ground we can work to. Would that that be a good starting point? Because it feels like if you're going to do the whole business and every single process that you've got, I mean, that's obviously way too heavy for most people. But starting small in a team meeting with something like Truval, would that work?
1: Yes, it would definitely work. Yeah, it's very open in terms of what kind of process could be the subject. And I totally just want to reemphasize what you said. Don't start your process journey by trying to map your entire company from end to end, because that will be very overwhelming. But to Neil's point, if you get into a team meeting and the subject today is client X is starting to cause problems, start mapping out. What are we doing for client X today? What are the services we're offering? How are we executing those services? Who is staffed against them? What roles are at play? What's the timing? And you can use the application to help you facilitate that conversation because the other part that we're struggling with in the market today is most of the open canvas tools are very hard to get on a zoom call and use them live because there's so many things you have to adjust and shape and manually craft the Truval tool was built with the workflow that neil you're referring to in mind which is you should be able to pull it up in a meeting and the interface is designed so for ease of use and speed so that you can be taking notes in process form while you're speaking to other people and sharing your screen So I think the use case you highlighted is perfect. I think any meeting where you're talking about problem, you know, you're looking at diagnosing problems, you're trying to get clarity on what everyone's doing or about what we're trying to hire for, what we're trying to new systems, having a process mapping application up to ground everybody in the realistic situation that you're in, I think would be my dream. It'd be my dream that people around the world were doing this type of process that you're describing.
0: Mm. Well, you're certainly going to get me uh, logging in, Sam, and uh, doing it with my training uh, program uh, sort of task that I have to do because I'm going to map out where they are right now and I'm going to use it for, for the next one because, you know, to me, I think that is just it's the proof is in the pudding, to use a very English phrase. You know, it very much is going to be a, yeah, you've got to get in there and do it. This is something that I think, you know, everybody can just talk about, but until you actually get in there and feel the pain but see the opportunity, you don't really understand it. I think this is a, it's a very practical thing, isn't it, what we're talking about here? Yeah, we, we can philosophize and evangelize it, but until people really get in and start to kind of really feel it and sense it, it it's not that meaningful. So you've, it's a, you've got to do it, haven't you?
1: You've got to do it. And you've got to just do it a few times. You'd be shocked how little you actually have to do it to start changing your entire perspective. If you go in there and you make your first process map with any within any context, it's gonna be extremely painful and awkward because we're just not used to doing this kind of work at this level of detail. Do it a few times, you will start to develop a muscle that you will not be able to unsee what you start to see. And that's my sort of sweeping romantic guarantee that you'll have to you have to build the muscle memory, you have to explore it to experience it.
0: And so just to kind of round things off, Sam, um, so in this conversation, which I have to say, I really, really enjoyed. I mean, you know, you're talking my language here, um, but it would kind of say five years out, five years time. How do you see the world embracing this or will they have embraced it? Where do you see the big wins? I mean, if you were to look in your crystal ball and, you know, let's be really positive at this stage and just hope that, you know, AI and automation and all this kind of stuff is kind of caught up with process mapping, but you're kind of seeing a future maybe five years out. What's that gonna look like from your perspective?
1: It's gonna look like the world everyone thinks that we're in right now with AI and all this invention that's coming out, which is process work or this process science as a foundational domain of knowledge for business is greasing the wheels to make these things happen faster. So if I was going to say what my dream would be in five years is that if you contact a SaaS platform and you get their sales department and you want their newest tool, best in class for project management, let's say best in class, CRM, best in class analytics platform. The first thing that salesperson would do would be pull up a process mapping utility and say, tell me what you're doing today. So I can understand how we're going to fit this into your context. And that project, which may not have succeeded five years ago, will succeed with much higher fidelity in that context. And that mentality will grip the business world and become the new paradigm so that we can really see the needle move on all this incredible automation opportunity, all these robotics, so that we're not just forcing things into our businesses and then working around them to prove that they're working or force them to provide the value we want by mashing sausage through them, you know, speaking figuratively. That's what I would love to see. And I think in five years, the market is demanding it. People are seeing the gap. And I do think it's already starting to happen, but that would be my dream, so that we can really see some movement here in our lifetime and get some of these incredible tools in place and make them effective and scalable.
0: Here, here, I'm certainly supporting this one, Sam. And I'm going to watch um, the, the development of Truvel, and I'll encourage everyone else to, to do so and get in there and play with the tool. So it's T-R-U-V-L-E.com. I'll put the uh, the link specifically in the uh, episode notes uh, below for everyone to, to click through. Sam, this has been really, really great conversation. I think um, you've given a lot of inspiration to, to those of us who kind of love a bit of planning, but to actually go and do some, some more detailed kind of mapping of the processes that we have. And for those uh, in the audience who may be a little bit skeptical, I think you may have a few uh, believers now. I'm very much hoping so. So thank you so much for your inputs today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.